HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. Or perhaps I should say bonjour. Bonjour. This is Eat Your Words. Uh, French style. How would I say that in French? Bonjour. Eat eat your words. Mangez votre uh, vos mots. Okay. Vos mots. Great. (laughs) Mangez vos mots. (laughs) Mangez vos mots. (laughs) So we have a guest on today who has written a delightful cookbook called French Comfort Food, and that's Hilary Davis. Hi. Helping me out with French, too. Thanks so much for joining. Pleasure. Um, French comfort food. I just love the authoritative tome of this book. Um, And also, it's so... It's one of the most delicious books I have flipped through <laughs> in quite a long time. Um, but talking about French food sort of as a whole, I mean, we, we think of, uh, I, I don't know, I think of fine dining when I think of I French custom, French food customs, and they sort of did set the standard for a lot of fine dining uh standards as an institution um, they've coined terms like maitre d and terms around the kitchen like mise en place that we still use today Mm -hmm. Um, but you're writing about french comfort food and sort of country peasant food it's home cooking home cooking that's the difference so there's this whole other side yeah and you know i think that's why we sort of gravitated away from in america away from french restaurants and french cooking Mm. maybe towards italian um or other regional cuisines because we forgot julia child yeah i mean we went into the haute cuisine the minimalist, uh, pretty food, um, the very precious French food. And difficult to execute Very at home. difficult, very expensive ingredients. Mm. And what I want to bring back is, and I want to bring back in a, in a strong way, is that most of France doesn't eat that way. <laughs> I mean, every family in France treasures um, that homey cooking from grandmother that we have here. I mean, we all treasure grandma food if my mom didn't cook but if you know if someone's mom cooked really well she provided 
spiritual nourishment, mm. happiness, warmth in the home, and great flavors and scents right. and aromas. And that's what French families do every day. They don't execute a beautifully um, presented plate. Instead, they'll bring out a big, um, heavy casserole, a, a crusade, oh. put it in the middle of the table. It might have been grandmother's, and it's all cracked. The plates might be mismatched, but everyone's relishing a meal that they remember you know, from, from their childhood that made them happy. Mm -hmm. And it's quick cooking. It's, it it's, is. It looks easy for me to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's a toasted ham and cheese sandwich with a fried egg. I just love this melted chocolate on a toast recipe. It's just just wonderful, comforting, <laughs> simple food. It's simple. I mean, what could be easier than two ingredients? Mm -hmm. A little piece of baguette and a really good chocolate bar. And the mom's often, you know, we know pan au chocolat, the really fancy little croissant. Yes. Well, who's going to make that? <laughs> but but moms there are just, um, when the kids come home from school, they have the little uh, pan, uh, little piece of bread, the baguette. Mm -hmm. They put a chocolate bar on it, and they shove it under the broiler in a very hot oven. And it just drools oh and melts goodness. down. So the kids get it. I, if they're fancy, they'll sprinkle a little sea salt on there. Mm -hmm. And the children love it. I eat it at home. I, For me, that's... That's a big treat. You don't need anything more than that. I know. Yeah. I know. And with champagne. And I love that it's bread, too. It's not another sweet thing uh, with... Mm. Yeah, that sounds really good to me. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. <laughs> and, it's a, and, you know, um, the most popular sandwich in France, you know, the common everyday person. Okay. The statistics are that the most famous loved sandwich has those three ingredients a baguette a plain piece of ham and mm -hmm. some sweet butter smeared on the baguette Ooh. that's it and but the trick there and it sounds great you know three ingredients but the trick always is the quality i mean oh, you want the best yeah. ham you want really good i make my own butter which is so easy oh no, you just... That sounds awesome. Do you have, do you have a KitchenAid or even an electric yes, beater? Yes. You just put heavy cream yeah. and beat it. And it's what your grandmother said, don't beat the cream because it'll turn to butter. Yes, yes. Yeah, it takes about 10 minutes. Oh and it gosh. tastes great. Mm. And if you know where your cream comes from and you happen to know the cow's name, I mean, it's even more fun. <laughs> I love it. See, this is I, I just so up my alley. I'm so excited. Um, this book... Is, is really a filled with classics, too. I mean, it things is. that we've mm. heard of. Gratons, as you were mentioning, casser casseroles and cassoulet. Cassoulet. Also. Um, I made a really big effort to bring in some stuff that I love that I don't see in French cookbooks. Okay. Which is really, um, it would be rare to find in France in a restaurant. And I really don't see it here very often. One of them, there are some really chic restaurants in New York City mm -hmm. that make aligo, but you'd be hard-pressed to find it. Yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, aligo is amazing. All it is is, and French make it. They love it. It's You make your mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is fattening. You put in uh, mashed potatoes. It's about a stick of sweet butter. You just slice it in. Care, a cup of heavy cream. Crème. And a lot of um, handfuls of cheese. And they use cantal. Oh, gosh. But here I use a very sharp white cheddar. And you just beat over the stove. And it just takes a little bit. And it gets really elastic. And you pull your mm -hmm. wooden spoon up and you can see, you know, the elastic 
threads of this <laughs> luscious melting cheese. So, oh my gosh, that's um, something you won't find here, but um, or in many French cookbooks. Um, there's another one, which it is sounds fun though. Oh yeah, really oh, fun. it's so much fun. Uh, Crespo. It's mm. an ancient multi-layer. It's like a cake. Mm-hmm. They serve it on a cake stand, but just for fun. But it's um, about eight omelets stacked. They're big round ones, like eight inches across, okay. with, filled with different colored veggies. Mm. So you, you slice it like a big wedge, like a piece of cake. Yes. And you have all these multicolored vegetables. What is that called? Crespo. Oh, crespo. It sounds a little like a... It's a good... Yes. Ratatouille, but uh, no. No, but it looks like it might be made out of crepes. Okay. But it's okay. omelets. Hard to find even in Sounds France. Sounds awesome, though. Yeah, there are quite a few recipes. Sounds like it could that... be an elegant side, too. For anything. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons I think that a lot of these French food traditions made at home are preserved is that there's a certain sense of French uh, cultural pride that is so perv- uh, pervasive mm-hmm. throughout the culture. Um, like you were saying before that you would see restaurants and if they had the words like a la grammaire or ancienne, like you said, this is like, this means it's rustic. This means my, mu- my this is the way my grandmother made it. And you would walk in immediately because you knew that that was the, that was the place you wanted to go to. I searched them out. I mean, yeah. I literally, I don't go after the stars. Mm-hmm. I do eat Michelin stars just to learn. But what I really look for are those menus where they're hanging a little copper pot outside of the door or something like that. So you know you're going to get in each region. You know, France is interesting because it's large like we are. And mm-hmm. each region has um, a different uh, comfort food. Yeah, I love how that's really spelled out throughout this book. You know where where each dish is coming from, the burgundy dishes, the nice dishes, and so forth. Yeah, really good to know. Um, I love also that you say that um, you collected a lot of these recipes from actual people mm-hmm. that you met. Always, um, yeah. You've lived in France for how long? Twelve well, years? Well, eleven or? year over eleven years in the south of France, and mm-hmm. then in Paris for three. Wow. And a lot of traveling, so made a lot of friends. The recipes I collect wherever I go because I figure, you know, that's how I'm going to learn the culture, mm-hmm. just the collecting the recipes. And they want to teach me, so they have made a dinner and cook things for me. But I take the recipes and I make them my own. Mm-hmm. And I do it in two ways. One, um, trying to make it so that we can cook it here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we can find the ingredients in our local supermarket. So yeah. I have to change it up for that. Okay. And then I sometimes just change it up because I like cinnamon and they don't have cinnamon. And, you know, I'd make it my own. But Absolutely. it's basically a kicked up, uh, you know, a, um, amplified version mm-hmm. of the first original recipe. So it keeps the spirit of the recipe. Um, but I'll change the cheese, for example, because we can't get a certain cheese here. I'll change... Right. You know, ingredients and uh, and sort of make it your own. Yeah, Yeah. make it your own to your own preference. Um, I like you mentioned that uh, you you always collect, you try to collect family recipes whenever you're traveling, um, because you wrote because it's my way of discovering the essence of a country through its people and their food. And obviously, you've spent a lot of time in France. But how would you suggest if if I'm going to France for say a week or anywhere, um, finding family recipes? How do you? Do that. I, you know what? It's a really <laughs> cool way to cheat, and it's really okay. it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, go to any newsstand, okay, and 
Um, there are like you're gonna find here we might find unfortunately we're down to like five cooking magazine kind of things in France you're gonna find 15 25 cooking oh, really? magazines and they're aimed towards the family oh. so and they love to specialize in regions they love to find a lady in Lyon who's still cooking blah 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 and so I ravage those things I mean I buy harmfuls of them and it's a great way to um, learn home, wow. French home cooking from the regions. That's really great because those are aimed towards actual just working people. Absolutely. Making dinner. So that's a real reflection of the way that that place eats. Yeah, because they think here are our cooking magazines. I love them. But they're aimed at a higher um, people who already know technique a little bit mm-hmm. and who want something very special. Whereas the ones in France are like, it's for all the moms it's just for family cooking uh, they will teach you how to do little mignon mignonies which is hard to say so you can make little baby cookies or little baby things for your family that are mm-hmm. special and maybe a little more uh, refined you mm-hmm. know they, they they teach them that but um i that's my trick that's a really good yeah. trick um, and I know you've been also a, a longtime food contributor for mm-hmm. a magazine um, mm-hmm. and um, New Hampshire few, magazine. Yeah, a few regional yeah. papers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, do you try to write for, I guess, the every every everyday person's Absolutely. cooking? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's what I celebrate. I mean, it, honestly, if someone takes me to a great three star restaurant or an Ellen Ducasse, I'll yeah. say yes, please. Yeah. But <clears throat> I you wanna, know, you know, you you really have a point there. I see so many times a, a, a recipe in um, an article about a chef, and it'll have the chef's recipe mm-hmm. um, or adapted from that restaurant, um, and that that's. I feel like a lot of our food is celebrating is informed the by these restaurant traditions, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's so many cookbooks nowadays that are based on restaurants. Absolutely, yeah. and and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's just our culture. We, we celebrate celebrities, and I celebrate, um, you know. Food. <laughs> yeah, food, and grit, and I don't care if it's in a horrible-looking place. You know, Michelin yeah. Guide would throw out a restaurant because it's not a beautiful environment, and I say, who cares? I, I like Routier eating at truck stops. Mm. Oh, you know, what, what is that? In France, they have things called Routier. Routier. Which, they were the truck stop, and it's usually a little restaurant run by a mom and a pop, and you only get whatever they make that day. Oh, no that's cho- what? Oh, <laughs> so good. I mean, it may be rabbit stew, but it's yeah. going to be great just close your eyes and eat it. It's uh-huh. just great. The rabbit stew sounds pretty good, actually. Mm. I, I might see that on a on a restaurant uh, but yeah it seems like we're kind of working backwards when we when we take a lot of these restaurant trends and try to s- translate them into the home kitchen it's hard um yeah it is hard um so looking through your book i i felt it, it was really refreshing in the sense that it seemed very t- doable and mm-hmm. um the the they weren't too overworked you know there's the fresh mussels and white wine sauce very classic, easy, and no, you know, no need for anything bells and whistly to to make that perfect version, just like the French have done. Um, I hear you are quite a collector of old cookbooks. Yes, this is also. How did you know that? <laughs> uh, 
I could tell. I just knew it. No, I, I, I read it on the <laughs> somewhere. But, um. I love them. I mean, if I can score some at a flea market and they have, you know, I got one the other day I've been looking for forever. It's going to make you laugh. But mm-hmm. um, Sophia Loren was considered a really great chef in Italy. Uh-huh. She was. I didn't know that. She was decorated. Uh, by the Italian government for her cuisine oh. and I got one of her cookbooks and I've been looking forever and it's true some of those wow. recipes I haven't seen in any Italian cookbook yeah I mean these out of print cookbooks are kind of like a gold mine for mm. like the way a lot of dishes traditionally were so yeah. um, I can definitely tell that sort of came through in this book looking through it great um, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude and we'll be right back to chat more about French comfort food You are listening to Basilica by The Hollows on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. We're thrilled to announce a special event, the Silver Snail, 25 Years of Slow Food. This event is hosted by Slow Food USA, Heritage Radio Network, and Roberta's Pizza. It's been 25 years since Carlo Petrini and a group of activists launched a peaceful revolution to defend regional traditions, good food, gastronomic pleasure, and the slow pace of life. The slow food movement has since evolved into a comprehensive approach to food that recognizes strong connections between plate, planet, people, politics, and culture. Today, this movement involves thousands of projects and millions of people in more than 160 countries worldwide. Join us for a dialogue between Slow Foods founder Carlo Petrini and locavore activist Alice Waters as they reflect on the evolution of the food movement and all things slow. Friday, October 3rd from 11.30 to 2.30. You can go to our website and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page to RSVP. 
We can't wait to see you there. Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're back chatting with Hillary Davis, author of French Comfort Food, and um, it's a beautiful cookbook. You've also written a book about uh, food from Nice. Cuisine Nicoise. Yes. And that is one area that is covered also in this book. Um, Is Nice food your favorite region? You know, I actually have to say I do like, I hold it very dear to my heart because... Mm -hmm. It's the classic Mediterranean cuisine. Yes. It's olive oil um, and a lot of fresh produce. No butter, no it. cream. Salad niçoise. Salad niçoise. Mm. And their dishes, when I moved there, I was shocked. I felt like a total, I don't know. I, I, I was seeing dishes I'd never seen or heard of before. Mm. And I thought I had learned a lot living in France. And when you're in Nice, because it used to be part of Italy until 1860, yeah, has a very strong Italian uh, accent to the food, mm-hmm. and the ground, you know, the, the families intermarried, so you have this French-Italian perfect storm, right, of amazing food there, and there are things like socca, which is a chickpea crepe, gluten-free, no high protein, absolutely delicious, and once you leave. Nice, you would be hard to find no, Saka again. It's such a regional. Like, I mean, it's specialty. extremely. Um, I, I love discovering healthy food. Mm-hmm. Very healthy. I, I have to say that's probably my favorite, just because I lived there um, and I learned. I grew to love it. Yeah, it sounds like you're really compelled to share, like just how great these discoveries were too, because they're yeah. so unique and they're kind of hidden. Um, and uh, so. It's interesting you mentioned there's this marriage of uh, French and Italian food in Nice. Mm-hmm. And I loved reading about how in the north, uh, yeah. the Alsatian region, it was a little bit of a German It's uh, fascinating. I mean, heritage. up north, it's Germanic. Mm-hmm. And so their country food's going to be very heavy because mm-hmm. it's freezing up there. So, you know, yes. there's cold. a lot of cream and bacon. And bacon, potatoes, and, um, you know, chicoute garni, which, which is a big, heavy platter of sauerkraut. Out and big versts Very and ham hocks, <laughs> and that's their comfort food. They will pull that out. I love that. And but it's that blend, those blends mm, between mm, the two cultures. Every sort border of traditional culture food yeah. sounds even better than either, <laughs> you know, traditional food. It sounds much better than you know a plate of sauerkraut and uh, that dish in particular than a plate of sauerkraut and versts. So and. Uh, so also in the Southwest, right? Yeah. There's the Basque influence yep. and the Spanish Spanish influence. accent. So you have all the beautiful Spanish hams, very fine hams, and um, uh, lots of peppers used. You, that's where esplet comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you get over to the Alps, you have a lot of beefy cattle actually yeah. being... Um, so there's more meat and versts there, specific... And a lot of cheese, beautiful fatty cheeses, and so there you have the fondue. <laughs> yes, and, the, and a um, lot of the ca- uh, gratins, a lot of gratins, yeah, savoyard, all the you know potatoes and cheese and. And I love this recipe you have for something rib sticking. Uh, <laughs> the meek. <laughs> yeah, well, where is it? <laughs> it's funny. It's a meek. Is the I've never seen it before. It's a gigantic dumpling. Oh right. And it's done with a um, pork. Parofo, which is you put pork and all your vegetables in water and you cook it. So you get this amazing broth, the beautiful fork tender meat. And then 
you put this gigantic dumpling in there I've and it's like bread. I've never seen anything like this, but this it's <laughs> dish huge. is amazing. Yeah, and when you're there, they actually, sometimes they're so big, they slice it and it mm-hmm. looks like sliced bread. So I love how you translate it. You, you wrote rib sticking pork and vegetable stew with giant dumplings <laughs> or meek a pork un pot à feu réconfortant. <laughs> Thanks for translating. Um, then we also have Burgundy. Yes. Yeah. You know, as so you were saying, that region is where they grow a lot of the, the cattle and you have a lot of milk. Um, so Burgundy, obviously, we know it for its wine. Yeah, absolutely. And there's beef bourguignon is probably the fam- most famous dish. Yeah. And I love this eggs poached in Burgundy wine gravy with garlic croutons. Do you see that often on a menu here? Just, I mean, I do sometimes if I'm like in San Francisco really? or New York. Okay. Very rare, but in it's hard to find. And I've never seen eggs with white red wine it's sauce ever. So good. It, it is does it is look amazing. Really good. And it and it it comes together in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you just perfectly poach eggs, which actually isn't too hard. You just put them in a little simmering water and let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And you bathe them with your spoon of water over the top gently. And then you make your big fat. We know croutons is small, but they make a big big hefty piece of bread, right. very thick. Bathe it in a little olive Smear oil and garlic. garlic. Bake it so it's just soft enough that the egg will break into it, mm-hmm. but it's warm. And then you make this luscious, um, savory um, red wine sauce. And my friend taught me, she puts in a beef bouillon cube, which gives it that beefy kick, which Mm -hmm. makes it a little more sophisticated, you know, sort of a nice dish with red red wine again and candlelight. We see poached eggs drenched with hollandaise all the time. Why not mix it up a little bit? And this is nowhere near the calories. Uh, Oh, yeah, I know. Hollandaise is like crazy rich. Mm. It's like... Egg yolks topped with more egg yolks and butter. And lots of butter. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that one. Um, what else have we got here? You have desserts, too. And mm-hmm. typically desserts sound very difficult. I'm mm-hmm. not a dessert cook, usually, because I hate the intricacies of measuring and technicalities. Yeah. Um, but you have this almond cookie that sounds very, very easy to me. Um, tell me a little bit more about that one. I love this story because it's from nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, after the French Revolution, um, the nuns had to find a way to make a living. They'd been cooking in the aristocratic homes. Mm-hmm. And so they had to feed themselves. And this little order moved quickly to the city of Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just came up with this cookie recipe. And they were very poor, so it only has like two or three ingredients. Yeah. And ever since then, I mean, today, Nancy is known for these cookies. And we know macaron cookies is yeah, those macaron. pastel pretty ones that those we love. Impossible to make, yeah. Impossible. Okay. They're hard. <laughs> but these are the original ones. These, oh. these are the real um, French macaron cookies. Oh. And this is it. This is how you make it. So you get your. You have to have a food processor. I'm sure you can do it by hand easily. No. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Uh, because it's to just crush a, the almonds. No, yeah. but you can buy almond meal, Bob's oh, okay. Red Mill almond. You know, just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almond almond meal and some egg whites, and you just whisk the two together. Honestly, that's it. A little sugar. And I um, put in a, another oh. dose of almond extract just to kick it up a bit. Yeah. 
because I love almond, and then you drop it on your baking sheet and bake it, and that is that's all. That's wonderful. That's it. <laughs> and that's, you're right, that is the precursor for this meringue-like mm-hmm. almond-flavored uh, macaron, usually food-colored, too. <laughs> macaron. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. fascinating. And that's gluten-free, too. There's no flour. Absolutely. It's almond High meal. protein. Absolutely. You can make it with less sugar if you want. Yeah, and it's it's really almond meal to buy a big bag is more expensive than mm-hmm. flour or whatever. But honestly, I throw it in the freezer and I end up using it a lot because I use it a lot for recipes from here. I, I, like I have making, other recipes oh, with using yeah. almond flour. So and there's a tasty. cake from from uh, there's a rum soaked almond cake from Nantes. In here, from where? Nantes, Nantes. a city, also. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that is very few ingredients, but that also uses that almond meal again. So mm. you're not going to waste your bag. There's no. more ways to use it in here. Fabulous. Um, so tell me, I, I glanced across uh, escargot. Mm-hmm. Where is that from, typically? <laughs> You see, I had that in a restaurant in Paris Mm -hmm. that actually isn't... um, They make escargot, obviously, in Bourgogne, in the... In Burgundy, in the snail shell. Yeah. But I was in a fancy restaurant in Paris, and they had done it in little baby tiny cherry tomatoes. It was so precious. Mm -hmm. And I just... Mm -hmm. But it tasted great. Yeah. And here we can't get it. Those can't I couldn't stuff the snails into little tiny cherry tomatoes. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out what to do when I found Campari tomatoes, which are perfect size. Okay, they're a little larger. Yeah, yeah. and um, we can, any supermarket we can buy a can of um, snails from France, France, and they're not expensive. Hmm. You have enough in there to make twenty four serving, you know, servings. And then I use the same burgundy uh, sauce of garlic oil, and I just put in a lot more parsley because it's Sounds pretty, pretty and colorful. And it tastes great, fresh. It's a handheld; you can have it as a like a handheld. snack at a party. Yeah. And I think that the fresh tomato really brightens up. Mm. I, I don't really like the idea of like just dunking my fork into just a snail and I eating know. just a snail. You won't even so. see it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for for bringing this recipe to life for us. Now I may be may make escargot. We'll see. Actually, the sauce is even worth it. Just drive your bread through it. It's so good. (laughs) Garlic butter and parsley. You don't even notice the snails there. No, it looks delicious. So thank you for sharing that one. Um, And is there anything else? What is your absolute favorite dish that you or anything else you need? I like the aligo. The aligo, yeah. If I'm sad, you know, comfort food to me is something that is going to be substantial, not what I would call diet food. (laughs) I I want a meal. I want something really... Rib sticking. Yeah, (laughs) that's going to fill me up and be warming. Mm -hmm. So I would say cheese fondue, which is in here. so much fun. And you know what? It sounds fattening, but I'm only going to do that three times. You know, it's not like I eat it every night. It sounds like all the whisking is going to give you a little workout, and you're too. Use, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you'll burn some calories before you eat absolutely. the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about all the time we have for today. But thank you so much, Hillary, thank for joining you for us. for having me. And I can't wait to see what you write next because this book is so tasty. And I'm really happy you shared it with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Oh, I like the way you do. 
for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.